This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast, where we talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I'm Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Salon McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. I did it. I did it. I threw you all off. I was off. busting you up. Just Josh being robotic. <laughs> it was a little robotic. Joshua Tihi. Joshua Tihi. I wish I could do the, the robot voice that they, you know, uh, all the memes, they have that robot <clears> voice <throat> that they have read stuff. Yeah, that's weird. There's also the woman, the woman robot voice, which I think I like a little more than the men, ro- no. the man's robot voice. But anyway, maybe you're a robosexual. I could be. Josh, a robosexual. I'm all about robots voices. voices. <laughs> Just the voices. Yeah. So if you have a speak code to me. Speak. <laughs> oh boy. What a start to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we really huh? got her going. Yeah, now. we got her going. All right. But we do have a topic. Um, so this is sort of playing off of a video that Chris just put up on YouTube. Um, and there was a piece in that video that I thought was really interesting. And I and I, I think, like, I also found to be like a, a aha kind of moment. Um, when you were talking about uh, sort of the realization of the, the role of Uke and... Um, sort of looking at it as an armed uh, position rather than an unarmed position and how that sort of changes the entire scope of the practice and especially um, in form training. And I've been thinking about this for a long time. You know, when you have a form like katate doi ikkyo, for example, that is two different things, can be two, well, more than two, but... Two different things depending on which role you assume has a weapon. Right. Um, and if you are only looking at it as an, uh, like if you're thinking of it as an unarmed system and you're only doing it uh, the specific way with a grab, you may, you're, you're looking at it in a limited scope, limited capacity. Yeah. So that's my jumping off point. Um, and there's a bunch of little rabbit holes we can probably fall down, but. That was sort of my, you know, let's talk about that and sort of, uh, you know, shed some light on maybe how the forms are um, making things difficult for people to, to get a, a sense of, of what might actually be happening in a, in a, you know, live, more live situation. Yeah. I mean, with that specific topic, um, and I think a lot of people would argue with me vehemently because I've had them argue with me vehemently. But um, so, you know, here's basically kind of a, a, a rough a rough and quick explanation of what happened and, and what the problem, the direct problem Josh is talking about. But I think there's other things we can talk about around this too. But so Japan had uh, jujitsu, right? And and they had, so so there were these, these tournaments. I can't remember exactly what they're called. I don't think they were called Shi'is, but so basically what would happen is, you know, you had all these poor ronin and samurai and stuff, these people who had spent their life learning how to fight, and there was no job. There were no jobs for them anymore. And so if you watch the movie uh, 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 Harakiri, Hara, Hara, Hara um, it's basically about like these poor guys wandering around and, 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 and they don't have anything to eat um, because they don't ha- they have a job, but they got swords. So there was this time period in Japan where they had these weird fights that were like these gladiatorially kind of things. And so basically, you know, if you were some kind of fighting guy of note, then um, you could make money going and fighting some other guy and you could fight with all kinds of things. You could fight with bokens. Um, I think that's actually where Shinai's uh, first got invented for those things. Um, and you could do jujitsu too. And, and it just, it was just kind of a catch all thing. It wasn't like there was nothing formal. It was called Gekin a lot, which just means like ultimate sword or unlimited Ulti- sword ultimate or something. Sword. You know? Um, anyways, but that was the ultimate sword championship. Yeah. Ultimate sword. USC. Championship. Yeah. USC. UFC. Um, but, uh, I think they were mostly fought with bokens and stuff anyways. But so there was this time period. And during this time period, there was also this concept that, um, well, hey, maybe if we knew jujitsu, like the public thought, the Japanese public thought, hey, maybe if we knew jujitsu, like then if people fucked with us, like tried to rob us or something, we could we could just use jujitsu, right? Like, 
Um, so, so that's cool. We'd like to know jujitsu. And so there became this like little niche that people could fill where they could, um, uh, like, like teachers of martial, well, martial artists who, um, who could fill this niche by like teaching unarmed stuff to regular people. Right. Because regular um, people aren't going to carry around swords. No, I don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, so they're going to need no jiu-jitsu. So this little specialty kind of arose, and that is that. There's a story about uh, one of uh, Sokaku Dukeda's teachers. This is going on longer than I wanted it to. No, Sorry. no, it's interesting. No, it's just, there's a lot of little yeah, stupid yeah, 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 stuff yeah. to describe in here. But um, one of Sokaku Dukeda's teachers um, told him, "Hey, look, there's no more money in trying to teach sword, so don't try to teach sword." Um, so you, you should be trying to teach jujitsu because people will do jujitsu right. because normal people who don't have swords can learn jujitsu and they want to learn jujitsu. So he's like, quit, quit trying to teach sword. So there was this, this niche and during these Gekken things, the people who did good at jujitsu would get more money being teachers because it's like, oh, I won the jujitsu tournament. So mm-hmm, I'm clearly mm-hmm. a good teacher. I know jujitsu. So it was like an advertisement for coming to study with like them. Like that yeah. too, right? And, and and these guys, of course, these beat up, poor, hungry, starving people who had spent their life disciplined um, are like, well, I would like to not keep getting beat up in these stupid right, matches right, where right, people right. throw tomatoes and shit at me. I don't know if they're really throwing <laughs> tomatoes, but I, that's what I picture. Um, and, and so like I could be a teacher and maybe I could be a teacher for some well-to-do person and that would be great, yeah. you know? Like so, so that was kind of a thing that was happening. And enter uh, – uh, Jigoro Kano, who had said jiu-jitsu and, and realized that there was probably a better way to do this and that he could probably create a, a stable of guys who were really good at this stuff. And and so so forth and so on, Kotokan Judo kind of became invented. And what he did was he chose really – he went all over Japan finding really good fighters and then put them in a stable together and they would do these things together. And then it got more and more codified what works in unarmed situations and Judo got born, right? And so Judo is – the best jujitsu for unarmed fighting until today, right? And like, sure, yeah. and now you could argue that maybe Brazilian jiu-jitsu is better, and there's a big long argument there, and and it depends on what aspect you're looking at. There's a ton of stuff going on. But that but, was the the like uh, the the evolution that was happening at right, that time, right? Okay, and why I'm bringing all that up in relation to jo- what Josh said is because you have to understand that anyone who was going to teach jujitsu quickly realized in that time period that they need to teach it as unarmed stuff because that's what people will pay for. Mm -hmm. And so if they're good unarmed jujitsu guys, then they will be able to get jobs and, and, and appease the public. Right? So there, there was a time period where all the stuff that was armed stuff got started getting mutilated into something else, right? And and this same period happens with Ringen in in Germany. Uh, if you look, you know, like fourteenth uh, or fifteenth century um, down to like seventeenth uh, century, you'll see uh, German battlefield grappling slowly being uh, specialized into unarmed grappling. And they're different animals for many reasons that I've outlined in videos of tons of times, but. You see this morphing and and like people who could fight, well, of course they could fight. And so if a guy who could fight, whether he had the best unarmed technique or not, fought a regular person, he'd beat the shit out of the regular person. He spent his whole life fighting. Um, Anyway, so I've gone on too long. I'm sorry. But but basically, that's why uh, unarmed stuff was cool and they're not unarmed techniques. Right, right. There's this meme. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's like um, it's got like a looks like a brain scan or something, and it's got like a like a not very lit up brain, and then like one step be- like below where I guess higher is like the brain's more lit up. And then it, it's it, like brain exploding, exploding at the end. Yeah. yeah, like essentially saying like this thing and this thing's even better than this thing, and this thing's better than this thing. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, you read mm-hmm, it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think when you're telling your story in that video. The, the assumption, the first level, is that Aikido techniques are, are unarmed because that's mostly how we see them. Right. And the next level, the, the, the bigger brain would be to realize that there's a weapon involved. Mm-hmm. And then the, the bigger brain even than that is to realize that the person doing the techniques, the person doing the Aikido actually has the weapon. Right. And I think this is what Josh was getting at the beginning, that like <clears throat> that's even a jump between there's weapons involved right. to the person who's doing the Aikido actually has the weapon. Right, right. Because I think that everyone can assume, because we it's talked about, that there's weapons involved. Because, like, a lot of people go, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people go, yes, Aikido is built around yeah, you weapons. See, you samurai, see bokens like, and stuff, yeah. Um, but I think 
the assumption is it's like someone has a weapon and, and is attacking you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the forms, I feel like, play off of that assumption. Um, but that may, there is another side to it. Right. Um, and, and some of the techniques uh, work better if you're not playing on that assumption. Right, right, right. right. Um, and some te- techniques don't work as well. Right. And, you know, right. and so like Katate Doi or, you know, Shomenuchi Ikkyo, for example, it's like one where you could kind of flip back and forth sure. either way. It's an easy one. And depending on what's happening, you know, there's two things happening. Either you have a weapon and someone is holding your your uh, hand and you go to clear it with Ikkyo and it doesn't work. So you bring them down into a pin so you can better uh, get your weapon free. Or... Someone's coming at you with a weapon, you block it, you grab their hand, and then you take them down so that you, you know. Right. But those are two very separate, like, very different things that are trained the exact same. Right, right, right. And I mean, in, I, you know, in and I game. think that is actually a nicer one than something like when sure. you, you right, talk right, about right. this, like the katate dori uh, ikkyo. Right. Right, which the katate dori ikkyo is a weird one because it's like who has the weapon in that, right? Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of aikido forms. Uh, I don't even know if our listeners understand what we're talking about. So <laughs> so look, like the way I teach uh, taijutsu, the, the, the forms, I – I do teach them without weapons in your hand, but I almost always reference the weapon, and then we do a lot of working with the weapon in the hand because that makes all the forms make sense. So look, in Aikido, you're dealing with one of three kinds of basic attack. You're dealing with a... Uh, a striking attack, which is a shoman, a yokoman, or a ski, and then, or you're dealing with a hand grab, or you're dealing with a body grab. Um, if you're dealing with a shoman, a yokoman, or a ski, they have a weapon in their hand that they're trying to hit you with, and that's why they're throwing those strikes that look weird for unarmed strikes, because they are weird for unarmed strikes, because they're not unarmed strikes, they're weapon strikes. Um, if they're grabbing your wrist, you have a weapon, and they are trying to keep you from using it on them, and if they have your body, one of two things are happening, either A, they've got a buddy that they're trying to slow you down for or B um, they have got a weapon in their hand they're holding you so they can use the weapon on you and so that's basically the attacks in Aikido and so when you look at that unarmed what starts happening is people mutilate the forms into weird things and I'm not saying that the Aikido forms used to be a different way what I'm saying is and they did used to be but this is not the, the crux of my position here what I'm saying is as people have built new Aikido forms they are using the old methodology from weapons conflict and they're mixing the pieces right, inside. Right. And so you have these bastard forms that don't make any right. sense. They, and and they have good pieces. The sure, pieces are pieces. still there, but the, the the full form doesn't actually contextually make sense. Undistinguishable right. or ununderstandable. When yeah. you see these like in in demonstrations or stuff, or you see like someone's gonna show fifty different variations of a uh, of a technique. And some of those variations, if depending on the situation, would not be able to happen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so they may they it may seem cool because you can do it unarmed, but if they have a weapon or you have a weapon, then suddenly it's like uh, you're grabbing with the hand that you had a weapon in, right? Like, right. Or you know whatever the situation right. may right. be. It- um, you know, it's funny, and, like, I, I, this is a little just on the, the armed stuff, but, like, someone had asked me in uh, one of the YouTube comments. They said, um, so do you believe that uh, that this has absolutely no application as unarmed stuff and all of this stuff has to be armed? And I was like, wow, it, it's a really confusing question, actually, because it would seem like I'm saying that, no, there is no application. But, but the truth is, if... You know these techniques that are arm techniques really, really well, and you could do them in live situations, and you've got the power and ability to do them. Then, against an untrained person, absolutely, you could use them. You sure. could use them unarmed, like twisting someone's wrist is twisting the hell out of someone's wrist. Nothing wrong with it. And I think plenty of the current Aikido people that are claiming they can do it in live situations are kind those kinds of people. That's exactly strong. Right. That's right. Know the techniques well. That's right. You know. Yeah. I mean, superior. you look at any of these guys who are like, look at I can do a sankyo. They're big, and 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 so that makes it easier to do these kinds of techniques, um, which is the antithesis, by the way, of what Aikido says it does. But anyway, so let me circle back. So so um, basically, 
you could use these against an untrained person, and particularly if the untrained person is smaller than you. These techniques will work, and that's why cops who are huge and door doormen who are huge yeah. do Security. good with these kinds yeah. of techniques, you know, and and they are highly um, autonomous techniques, right? So meaning if I'm a cop and I need to bail out of the technique and go to my firearm, those techniques work great. And if I'm a doorman, same thing, and I got five other guys coming in to help me, those kinds of techniques work awesomely. Um, but they're not great. Uh, they're not state-of-the-art unarmed stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to see state-of-the-art unarmed stuff, you just look no further than MMA. Right. And and what they've done is they've cut all the fat off of those things. Right. I think you're pointing out a really good thing here, which is that it's not that those techniques are unusable, which is why, like, you're going to get a, catch a lot of flack for what you're saying because people will say, look, I can do these Aikido sure. techniques unarmed all the time. Me What's too. your problem? And it's like – yeah, but they're not the state of the art stuff. They're not the highest percentage right. stuff for that context. Well, I, right, and the, the, you're not using them. Cur I mean, you're not using them in the way that they were meant to be used. Right, so you use them in a weird way. Right, it would be like you know, I can uh, hammer a nail with a, a a mug. I mean, I can use anything to hammer a nail, but like, it's not built for that. Like a screwdriver is not built to hammer a nail, but I can do it. So. Yeah. But it would be better if I had a, a hand, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a person who has studied unarmed martial arts, and I've studied armed martial arts. And I will tell you, in an unarmed situation, the unarmed techniques are way better. They're just more efficient. They're faster. They work better. They're easier for me to do. Like, just easier. You know, one day we were rolling, and I was like, I'm going to see if I can catch everyone I roll with in a wrist lock. And I did. I caught every single person in a wrist lock at least once. And... um. I was like, yeah, and that was a lot harder than had I caught them in arm bars and American locks. Because, you had to try a lot harder right. for them. Yeah, absolutely. I had to try a lot harder. And, like, I could do them. Cool. But it's just not as efficient. And it's because the context is different. And I think it's real hard to understand for people to understand if they haven't ever been in multiple contexts. But, like, a context changes the way you will respond to situations. Yeah. I think that, that that's another thing, good thing to point out, which is that, like, you could make them work, but they took longer. They, they took more effort for you to apply those things. Right. And I think for people that are that are trying to look to um, apply Aikido techniques in a live situation, a live unarmed one-on-one -on -one type situation, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's going to take a lot longer to make it work. That's right. And I think that's the shit that like Rokas came up against, which right. is like, shit, none of my Aikido is working and I'm a fucking black belt. Right. You know? That's exactly right. And, and well, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of it is the training, uh, like the live training piece that he didn't have that nobody has really. Um, but it's also the contextual piece, which is right. that like even had you been doing live training with Aikido techniques, it would take longer. This is like what we were talking about last week, you know? the amount of time in versus what you get out right. is going to be longer. Right. Well, and it's interesting because on the flip side, uh, if you put a weapon in that, you will instantly yes. see yes. that they're flawless. They, it, they they are flawless in the way that they, that they do the thing that they are supposed to do. If, if you take untrained people, two untrained people, and you, you have them fight with each other with no weapons, you won't see any Aikido techniques. I, I mean, no. maybe you could long enough, but you're not going to see any. I guarantee you, though. Maybe a Sugiyashi. Though, right. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you put a weapon a in one or both of their hands and they're grappling, I guarantee you, you will see techniques from yes. Aikido. Yes. And, and that's because it's from armed grappling. And it's really funny because I think in uh, the early video so the videos that you just put up there's a lot of old footage of us doing like uh stuff and um in the early days that's exactly what we did and in the early days there were several of us there who were completely novices mm -hmm. and instantly were doing technique that's right like instant techniques that like if you had asked me to do the technique the at form time, of the yeah. technique at that <laughs> at that time i would not be able to do it but in a live situation it, uh, it it could come off. You I know? I regularly watch uh, a five year old in our um, uh, kids class pull off uh, shihonages. She pulled off a sumiotoshi the other day. She did a mayotoshi the other day. Just just boom 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 and she doesn't know these techniques like i i yell when she does it because i'm excited but she has no idea why i'm yeah. yelling you know yeah because she doesn't know but it's just it's a natural thing to do and if you've ever wrestled over something like even a remote control you will see those kinds of things happen yeah in our self-defense class also i mean we would oh, have yeah. you know new people you know do some like knife wrestling or whatever and they literally have no awareness of aikido or any kind of aikido technique at all 
and they would do, you know, Nikyo, Kodogaish, yep. you know, these kinds of things. Yep. And and yep. it was just there. But um, so to kind of get back to Josh's point here, because I think we went on a tangent, but, um, you know, when you have these roles of uke nage, you kind of get locked out of that stuff, um, like seeing what's going on, because there's no life to see those things happen or not happen. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're doing forms and it's like, especially if you're doing forms and especially if you're doing forms unarmed in the way that we do them uh, typically when in classes, um, it's just like it's an energy exchange uh, and that's kind of it, which is fine, I suppose, but you, you don't get a sense of what the techniques are actually built and designed to do. And so... Um, what are you really getting out of it? Right. And in in the worst possible cases, you're going to start confusing yourself. Um, and I see it all the time when um, you know people go to do a, a technique and they instantly want to grab. Right. You know the 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 nage instantly wants to grab the the other person. Um, or you know, and and we could probably go down the list of weird bad habits that people pick up because they assume that it's something other than it is right you know that's right could we maybe go through because like i think for some of our listeners they're like okay so you've talked about how it changes or how these these forms are you know these mosaics of different pieces that are good can can we maybe like describe a technique that that does that well i think i think chris did it pretty well earlier you know saying like look at the attack and the attack will tell you sort of what's happening. But, I mean, even yeah. partway through, like, it'll change. Yeah, she's asking about, like, how they break in the middle. And so, like, you know... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Tatedori, Ikkyo, Omote, or either one, um, is a good example of this. It does a weird thing. Like, so, uh, in Tatedori, Ikkyo, Omote. So, they're grabbing your hand, Tatedori. And you do a what we call sankakusabaki, a triangle step. So you you pull your hand back and you hit them in the face, right? And then after you pull the, your hand back and hit them in the face, and so understand what will be happening is you have a knife or something in your hand and you pull it away from them and you hit them in your face to try and clear your weapon, right? And that makes perfect sense. Okay, then for the form of ikkyo, what you do is you then drive your hand forward you grab their hand with your what would be unarmed hand, the one that just hit them in the face. You clear your knife hand, and then you proceed to put them in an ikkyo and take them down. With the knife hand. Right, with the knife hand. And right, so like that could be cutting the arm, and like I have showed it that way because that is a possibility. But basically it's a weird form. Like in the middle of the form, it doesn't make any sense as to what you do. Because if you got your hand clear, what you should do is stab them and move away. Right. right? Like that's right. what you should do. Or, or stab them up a bunch or make me or whatever or it is, you know. Get out of, the, yeah. Right. And so there's a ton of forms so why, like that. Why you would choose to re-engage and hold them and, right. and especially hold them in that way. Because so ikkyo is a is a good good thing to have and a nice uh, a nice hold and I would say that if uh, the hands were switched right so uh, I would I would probably use that to hold someone at bay so I could stab them right 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 right, right. but if I'm going to be initiating the ikkyo with my weapon hand. Right. It's it's not as good of a right. a control right. And if you if you contrast that, and this is kind of what Josh was talking about with the shomenuchi. Also, if you contrast that to gyakute dori, uh, cross hand uh, grab, ikkyo, yeah, cross hand grab ikkyo. So if you're doing gyakute dori, uh, kosadori or aihan mikatate dori, whatever you call it. Um, anyways, you you're you're being grabbed cross handed, and you bring your hand up, and your first attempt is to knock their hand off of your hand, and that's the ikkyo beginning. And then if they don't come off of your hand, you continue to drive them forward to get them into a position where you can pull your hand free, and that could go all the way to the ground. So that makes perfect sense that way. You could also though, however, see it the other way where they came in to stab you, and you see this with the inside variation of ski right it's the same technique the inside variation of ski ikkyo which is they come in you blend to the inside you catch their hand you grab it and you pull it out of the way and you take them into an ikkyo control right so that also makes sense all the way through there's no there's no break in what, right. what's happening right. but there's a lot of forms that in the middle if you're not understanding the armed context they they break and so that form right. actually isn't a good form right yeah and and it becomes it becomes confusing and then I think you and, and it's one of I think it gets back to it, it, using too much reliance on forms for your training 
you know, is what it gets. It, it gets, down and to. or also like an inability to just break apart the forms. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of what you're saying, but like, like you don't have to go jump from we're doing full forms training to we're only doing drills and live training. Like, there's a middle point, which is like piecing the forms out and taking. Sure, like, and we're gonna you right. know study this shard of this form, and we do that, that makes sense. We do that a lot using the techniques as Hudoki. Right and right, clearing right. and and then sort of building from there. Um, but I think for for the most part, and I know this because it it it, it happened to me, which is like as I'm getting, uh, I probably was a black belt, and it was probably I was helping other people prepare for their test. But at a certain point, I really began thinking about what was happening in each technique, right? Right, um, and and have being having weird confusing spots where it's like okay well what what's happening now because i could clearly see at the beginning of this technique what's happening i'm trying to clear it's not working blah blah blah. but then suddenly something else is happening and now the sort of roles have almost reversed in terms of like who's right who should have the weapon who's doing what right? right like um and so if we're looking at the role and and it might just be also that sort of you know, the didactic idea of the role. So there's like uke and nage and they're, you know, um, when in reality it's like they're both doing uh, both things all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that really comes from that part too. Like we we harp on this a lot in our weapons training that each person needs to understand what the motivation for their current movement is and that is the way they should be moving right so for example if in a a sword form your objective is to come in and cut their head that really is your objective now in the form what let's we'll say happens is when you go to cut their head they cut your belly they counter cut your belly and so you end up stepping back to defend your belly right so you're going forward to cut their head and then you step back because they come in to cut your belly in that opening so what happens in, in forms training all the time, because we have these roles of ukenage, is the person who's attacking just raises the sword and steps back. Because they know what's going to happen next is the person's going to cut their stomach. And they've shortcutted it. That's right. And so they're not actually training what that form should be training, which is to go forward and switch gears in the middle and then go backward, right? right? And that's what that form trains. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. And so, and and I do. I think it's that uke uke nage relationship where it's like uh, there winner and loser, right? Like there's the side who's doing it and the side that's having it done. And and I think you're right. We see it a, a little more in uh, weapons training, but it's like in, we're doing that. So there's a winner for the whole thing instead of seeing it as at each moment either person could be the winner right right and it right. sort of switches back right. and forth right um and, and I, if you look at it that mm-hmm. way then i think it's a more like a holistic kind of thing instead of going like i'm gonna win this that's right yeah and then yeah. from the beginning you yeah know, i've got to do this win, seven step you know. process and then i'll win it well why were there seven steps made right. what what were those seven right. steps doing yeah i think especially if you're looking at the forms as a way to get out these good nuggets of learning so that you can put them into a more live type situation then instead of going i'm doing the form to do the form good which which would mean i mean i don't think it's actually very good do at doing the forms either but that you you shortcut the pieces to make it more efficient quote unquote and and you know like smooth i'm going to put in quotes also because i i don't think that gets it even the the what the forms are supposed to be even if you are doing that you're not um getting like chris is saying that piece of having to switch gears that piece of having to react quickly or be surprised or any of that stuff and so it's like if you are at all if you have it all in your mind to to be you know gleaning these little pieces for for later use in a more life situation you can't shortcut those those corners right yeah i think part of it too is um what the forms are actually like doing and this i I mean i i didn't anticipate us to be talking about forms but um and i see this in weapons training a little more than in taijutsu but the the forms training is beginning to it's like the the in intermediate step to live training um 
it is training you on the relationship between you and your partner and all of the things that are involved in that, right? Koku Masubi Owase Zanshin. Yep. It's not training you in the techniques, in the, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, you may get that. I mean, so for most people, it is, that is how people get that training, but it shouldn't be, um, right? Like, by the time that you get the form, you should have all of the pieces so that all you're doing is, you know, when I, yeah, does that make well, sense? Yeah, what you're saying is is exactly right, and I think super hard to get it. Like, so, so what you're saying is perfect. Okay, so look, when you're learning a form, one of the things you should be learning is the tactic sets that you that you understand right so why would a thing happen what would a person do so that is part of what you're learning in a form and then as the tactics unfold then the techniques to answer the tactical problem are taught okay and so when we're looking at training we should be both looking at the tactic or forms training we should be looking at both the tactics and the technique but what most people do is they just focus on technique and now what's going to happen is because that technique is focused on in a static, slow, untiming, involved manner, there's no life to it. When you try to do it live, you can't access your technique because your technique was based on static stuff that you're not doing anymore, mm -hmm. right? So when you're live, there is timing, right? And aliveness and surprise and all kinds of things. That technique that you master in live training will be different than the technique you learned in your forms training, right? Because forms is done slow. And so what forms should be teaching you is the tactic sets, mm -hmm. mostly, mm -hmm. with a, an introduction to the technique. But you won't master the technique in forms because there's no spontaneity, no liveness, no, you right. can't get good at the technique. Right. So what you're pointing to is like the forms should be teaching you, when you say tactic sets, you mean like... The, the sets of ideas that you're going to be yes. working in order. And that's yes. conscious stuff. Yes. Like stuff you take notes on. Yes. Not stuff that you just do with your body. Yes. The stuff that you just do is going to come from live training practice, which is what puts it into your unconscious Right. Mind. Well, I mean, so the tactic sets are also what is just going to happen. Like uh -huh. what it, it's understanding how it will unfold, right? So mm -hmm. for example, and here's something that's just lost in Aikido forms, basically. When someone grabs your wrist, that's not the whole attack. They grab your wrist and they will proceed to your body Pull to you hit in. it right, or right, right. hug you, right? Like that's what they're doing, yeah. okay? Now in Aikido forms, because they're done slow and stepwise, the whole attack is to grab the wrist. Well, what the fuck does that do? You're right. you're not taking right. them anywhere. You're not furthering the attack. You're not taking a weapon out of their hand. You're not doing anything. You're just holding the wrist. And so from there, the nage, if, if there's no understanding that after they grab your wrist, they're going to be following up, then you don't know how to train the next thing that you're learning. Now, the next thing you're learning in Aikido forms, as I've experienced them through most styles of Aikido, they are answering what will happen next. But we don't know that because our ukes aren't trained right. to do the next right. thing. Right. And so, for example, all the Taino Hinko, what they do is uh -huh. they take you away from the next attack that's coming. They all right. do that. Right. But right. we right. don't realize it because no one ever comes in for the next right. part of the attack. Right. right, because we never have that second. We never allow ourselves to have that second part, which is grab now attack right grab, that's right now attack grab now hit grab now and it's actually really funny because lately we've been doing some of this stuff uh where we we do something like that grab and then they come for an attack like a strike you know on the other side um and it fucking destroys me because i can't figure out what's happening you know because we don't we don't train it you know right, so right, it's right. weird right. it feels weird right. that someone's grabbing me and then suddenly i have to deal with a secondary, deal with attack. A secondary right. attack right and it's a little different if they're like with pushing or or moving the body like that i kind of get but yeah so once again i'm thinking of that 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 meme because it's like the first level is so we'll say like uh a ski kodagaish right so the first level is doing ski kodagaish and the only attack that the uke does is the ski and then they stop. And that's that's like level zero, uh, negative one. <laughs> right, right. And then level one is to go like, oh, the, the uke continues doing some movement. Right. Uh, to After the ski, right? So they maybe start walking around towards you after you do your initial Taino Henko. They regain But their that's weapon. different from actually coming. Like, so I think sometimes like level two and level three here that I'm talking about, like level two is like, 
they're kind of coming in your general direction, but it's like mostly just to feed right. the code of ice. That's where we get orbiting in Aikido, where right. they orbit and that's around exactly you like a what planet. I was thinking. Right. Orbiting, right. And that's orbiting is different from coming back at you. And that's right. like the third level, which right. would be like they're actually coming towards you. And if you didn't, if you stopped and didn't do the technique, they're going to knock you over or they're going to push you or they're right. going to grab you something. Right. And then I think step four is what Josh is talking about, which is a specific secondary attack. Like they're going to try and strike you in the face, you right. know, or right. kick right. you right. or right. something that's like actually really specific rather than like a general push or a general like grab of some kind. Like, I built this set of forms. You remember these back in the garage? This is a long time ago. And it's when I still kind of thought it was jiu-jitsu. And so I scrapped those because they weren't right really for what we were doing. But remember, you would um, you would stand there and a guy would grab your hand and then he would grab your body right after. Mm-hmm. And then there yeah, was yeah. there was an initial blend. So we'd do a Sotho Mawari yeah. and then that would clear the first time. And then the second time, you wouldn't allow it to clear and they would come around to get you again. You'd do a triangle, right? So like there was this progression that taught you the continuing attack, you know? Um, and, and I think stuff like that's really necessary, but it, it doesn't exist really in Aikido because we don't know what our tactics are. We don't, you know, if you talk to an Aikido, most Aikido teachers about it, they would have no idea what you mean by that. Like, what is a tactic set? What are the tactics that are happening? What are the kinds of things that will unfold, right? And it's yeah. interesting because I think, again, by adding a weapon or at least thinking about the weapon, then you be you begin to see, you know, because there's a lot of movement that happens in Aikido, um, that that doesn't uh, necessarily make sense. Like a lot of Uriminages a lot of times don't really make sense unless the person is uh, following the hand, traveling with the hand. Why would they be doing that? Right. Right? Because right. they're not going to do that. If you don't have a weapon, if you're unarmed, right. um, no one is going to follow to, your to hand. Follow your hand yeah. Right? So all of those unbalancing techniques that everyone loves to show in, in the forums aren't going to exist that's right right all they're going to do is come in and, and bear hug you right and they're they, you know i i think for most aikido people and maybe i'm wrong but the schools i've experienced is when you see one of those blends like so for example there's a technique in aikido sometimes called an aikiotosh sometimes called the kokinage um there's probably some other names for it i don't know but basically you're offering your hand they come to get you you turn so you turn to the outside like a tino hinko and then you gesture your hand towards the ground and then they do a forward roll I remember seeing that when I was doing Aikido back in the day and thought, like magic why stuff. in the shit would anyone do right. that? Yeah. There's no reason Looks anyone like, would like do that, right? shit. Yeah, exactly right. And Because and, yeah. it makes no fucking sense, right? But when you say, okay, the guy's got a weapon in their hand, and when they turn, they're going to cut your leg. And so your hand goes down there to keep them from cutting your leg. And because you're moving forward very fast, you lose your balance, right? If yeah. if you if you doubt this, run full steam and then try and pick a quarter up off the ground, <laughs> right, right? Like you'll fall <laughs> ass over tea kettle, right? Like it's really really hard to do that. Um, so so like that that's what that technique's teaching, but it looks senseless unless you understand the context that that fits in, and then that context explains why tactically that thing would happen. See, and I think this is another reason why like understanding what's happening is so important because like that technique works on the idea of that it's happening quickly like it the the idea is that you have to be going at like full steam so that that person really would be tricked and really would right. fall super hard right. because Otherwise, like they'll just stand and right that's right. And then, that's right um but like and going back to that like code of geish or something like if you are practicing only ever slow then like you don't understand how things will work in a real live right. timing and in at fa- at full speed and what you would trick be tricked by and what you wouldn't be tricked by and like you have to even if like so like i think a lot of people are going well come on it's not really realistic in like general aikido class to to you know give the kind of ukemi that involves like i'm coming around with a punch or something it's like you don't have to do the most intense version every time, but you have to have some intentionality there and you can go at whatever speed, but it has to be a speed that mocks up the higher. You have speed. to understand what you're doing. Yes. Like what, yes. What's your objective? What's your motivation? You know, just like an actor, what's your motivation? Right. So even like with a newbie who's starting, you know, you don't have to like, like you should still be going, I'm giving good ukemi and I'm in- intending to come around and attack them. Now that doesn't mean that you immediately zoom over there and overwhelm them. Right. But you go at the speed that they can handle, which maybe is super slow-mo, but you don't just stop. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like there has to be the intentionality as to like why you're doing it. 
and, right. and keeping that goal in mind. It, it's funny, you know, and so sometimes I teach these classes now and, and I, I'm always like, oh, man, I'm awesome at this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I spent a lot of time working on static forms and I understand completely how the situation of static forms work. And I'm really good at doing them, right? Like, you know. That kind of shit where it's like, you know, I, I'll be like, you know, move two inches this way and then all of a sudden someone falls on their ass because it's like you move this two inches and everyone's like, wow, that's so amazing. I don't care about that and I don't do it anymore because that's not what's going to happen full speed, mm -hmm. right? Like right. full speed, it plays out differently. And so like while I have mastered the the set of skills that are static Aikido or static whatever, Japanese jujitsu-esque stuff, um, they're really not that good. And the things that make that really good aren't the same things that will make it really good at high speed. And so like I had to scrap a lot of that in lots of ways and start learning how you actually do it full speed right um and i don't have a satisfactory i still don't have satisfactory technique it's right, it's funny myself. um being in the park this last year and we started our taijitsu classes back up it's been interesting because we don't have the mat and like even though we're on grass and you could totally roll nobody really rolls nobody takes like really like many break falls unless there's absolutely no choice um and so we do just a lot less falling and it, you know, at first I was kind of like, man, it doesn't even look like Aikido anymore. Like, where's all the fun rolls and falls and things, you know? Like, that's a huge part of, like, what Aikido, Aikido is. Classic Aikido, exactly. Um, but truthfully, I actually think that's really good for everybody's Aikido because it, it severs the attachment of having to fall or roll to make it Aikido, you know? And so, like, for, or to feel successful. So, like, if we're doing a Kokunage, like, no longer do I need to fall Right. For Josh to have done a good Kokunage, he's right. just got to bump me away. And oftentimes I totally will, you know, lose my balance and then catch it to the side. And that was a successful Kokunage. I didn't need to fall. And now he has the like reinforcement that like, yeah, that's okay. That's what we're right. doing. You know, when I started in earnest trying to learn to deal with multiple attackers, I had to let go of the idea that I could make them fall every time. Yep. And in Aikido, like, you know, Giawaza... You, they fall every time. And right. so, like, you stick with them every time until they fall because there is a fall happening. But when there's multiple attackers, that time you stick with them is just time you get grabbed by another guy. So it, it's wasted time. And so, like, that that what you're saying, that attachment to falling down because that's what's supposed to happen, you have to let go of that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that gets back to something that that is at the very beginning of this and understanding, like, what is happening in – a particular form so let's say you know if we're going back to that ikkyo and and taking that ikkyo all the way to to uh, uh a uh, takedown and into a pin and it's like that is not happening uh i mean it could but it's more than likely not happening because you wanted it it is because there were failures along the way that that made it so that that was the right. only way that was going to play out for you to successfully do what you want, which is get your knife free and, right. and, and go. Um, but if you think that that is the, that the is ideal, the, the ideal right. then then what you're saying is is how you're going to try to play it out in Giawaza, which is like, well, I have to get him onto the right. ground. Or, or because, I didn't do it. Right. When in, and, and you see this a lot. Of, we deal with this a lot in Shionage uh, with the throw and realizing that Look, the throw isn't important. Like, if you escape partway through the thing, which you probably will, because most people don't have shoulder capacities to be able to to really take a a, a shionage in the way that allows for a really nice uh, fall. It doesn't matter. You still get what you want. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But you again, even... if you don't know that, you're gonna end up contorting and this is what happens people contort their bodies in all sorts of weird ways just so that they could get into that final position where they know they can facilitate right. uh, uh, a, a balance taking right. instead of keeping themselves together and just doing the technique until the fail point of it where the other person will either let go, will let go generally because um, they don't want to fall they, they, yeah yeah I mean I think the ego is even a more symbol example of that which is that like the ikkyo for us is just uh like pushing their elbow away making them you know take a couple steps in that direction that's right rather than going all the way to the ground and i think if you had an aikido person come to our dojo they would be like 
what kind of Aikyo is that? Like you didn't, you, you, you kind of failed. Like it looks silly, looks stupid. Let's put it into context and you'll see that it's right. wonderful. And it is, it's, I mean, it's amazing. That's exactly, it's concise and quick and, and, you know, does exactly what you want it to do in a live situation. It's, it, you know, that what you're describing is one thing I've had fun a lot of times watching our new students come and do forms classes, Aikyo specifically, come do forms classes and then stick around for when we do the like live or stuff at the end. And then... And, um, you know, them all of a sudden realize that Ikkyo is really useful. Yeah. And when they learn the form, yeah. they're like, I don't know if I really ever can do right, that right. thing. And then when they see it, they're like, oh, Ikkyo comes up constantly. It's right. like, yeah, comes up all, It's funny. All the time. Uh, and again, and this is something that I think people maybe don't get. It's useful in many different ways. It's at least two different ways, right? So it's useful in me um, holding you there so I can stab the hell out of you, right, yeah. uh, as a control. It's also good in clearing the the, the weapon away, uh, right? But I think that's something that most people would have no clue about. Yeah. Like most people would just go, "Well, it's what it's the thing that gets you to the ground," right? Right. But that's I, to me that's the last thing that in all of my life, like whatever, maybe with an ikio. I don't know if I've ever taken anyone to the ground with it. I've definitely done it with a Rokia or something else, but, you know. There's video of Michael taking me uh, to the ground with it uh, that I just recently oh, posted yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, but it's rare. I mean, you know, yeah. like that's happened to me maybe five times. Sure. You right. know what I mean? So I, I think it's important to say, too, it's, that's not to say that we don't work on the technique sometimes with the intention of, like, taking someone down sure. or working on it. I mean, for example, with, the, like, the Kokinage, like – the better you do a kokinage, the the more likely it is that they're going to fall right on their ass. Um, and so sometimes it's fun to work to see how well you can quickly take off, like do the kokinage exactly right, super technically well, so that like they just, they fall straight down, right, you know? Right, but right. like in a live situation, like the, the thing that we're working towards isn't a perfect kokinage. The thing is that we're working towards is using kokinage in the way that we need in a quick moment right in a live right, situation right. i mean you know it's funny i think this is something that a lot of people don't realize is that you know you learn to roll because sometimes your face is going to fly at the right, ground right, right, right. right i mean i think i think right. that i think a lot of times the way we learn to roll is divorced from our understanding of what it's, what for, it's for right, right. like like i think it's kind of like it's like oh well yeah that's a good way to end a form and it's like no, if you didn't do it, your face right. would go smashing. And into it's the awesome because I've seen it so many times when we're doing like uh you know kind of more live stuff where people are uh, open to getting multiple attackers or whatever. Um, people especially get uh, caught from behind, not realizing, um, and they're going down. Oh yeah, and uh, save themselves with a roll. You yeah, know? I, I mean, it's funny. I think we see in our dojo. I think we see more nages doing really good ukemi uh-huh than yeah, we yeah, see yeah. ukes Probably. you know like me yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. like taking pretty rolls right, and pretty right, falls right. because I, a million knocked. times yeah people <laughs> yeah. get knocked on, yeah. on yeah. the ground and then they roll and it's beautiful you see yeah. you do see it a lot yeah you see it in ice ice i think actually in our Giawaza multiple attack you probably are more likely to see a nage do that kind of a, than a uke. Yeah, I, I would right. think. Ukes usually stumble around then get right back and, right. and come in. Um, yeah. But nages sometimes get yeah, knocked knock, on their ass. Knock, you know, <laughs> and manage to, manage to make it. Yeah, it's weird that we're proud of that. You know, like, yeah. so most people <laughs> say, say, like, their nage got knocked down and had to do a roll. Oh, they suck. And we're like, yes, our nages right. get knocked down. Well, but I mean, that's what rolls. happens when, if you're, if, if you have multiple people yeah. that are attacking uh, non-sequentially, you're gonna get, you're gonna get, hit, you're gonna get hit oh, yeah. probably. No I mean, you know. we we've been doing with the kids um, some like uh, one at a time, but you know, uh, like attacker stuff. It's a box drill. You box can look drill. it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's up there. Oh yeah, look it up yeah, on YouTube. Box drill. Um, but uh, they fall over a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, they do. They get, they get. To... Oh yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> they don't remember their rolls quite as much. Yeah, but... <laughs> they're, they're much much less pretty falling than yes. Adults. But they're also little kids. Yeah, they that also can don't care. Just, Sometimes yeah. they lay there, they lay there like with their, their legs up it's, in the air like, eh. <laughs> um, They like to just be on the ground. Yeah, they don't realize that they need to be back on their feet and in that box. But, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I don't, uh, what, uh, did, that, did we... 
don't hit know if the, we hit that. Because it, yeah, it kind of we went in this big stuff. like About forms and context, and, and we we roles hit a lot and... of different. We hit a lot of things that I didn't, I wasn't specifically thinking about, and I didn't think that it was going to go that as direction. much into the forms aspect. But I think you can't not because yeah, it's kind of hard forms because are... forms are so like such the core of how most of the you know syllabus gets transmitted i, I was gonna say um, right now problematic now i'm I, wondering I like. uh because i was gonna say like well aren't the like roles of uke and nage like crucial to the idea of a form in the first place like are they are they separable like, could you have, like, no. well, like they're so intertwined that, like, of course we have to talk about forms when we talk about uke and nage, because, like, those, those are, they're, they're so interrelated. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what they call them in, in European forms, but um, it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. They call them plays. They don't call them forms. Um, master and uh, student. Uh, yeah, master and student. That's, you know, it depends on who the who the person talking is. But, yeah, yeah, yeah the master or the uh, pupil is what yeah, Hutton yeah, uses. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you, the, those roles are inseparable because there's going to be a person who's ending up doing the ideal and then the person who's attempting to thwart them from doing the ideal. Right. Well, see, but even if you say it like that, I feel like that's a much better way to describe that relationship than the whatever uke nage like you know the thrower and the, the receiver the, like yeah the receiver and the like and i get why they do that in aikido because you know there is a at some point it is an an energetic interaction that's happening and there is energy that's coming in and one person generally is <laughs> is is you know making a wase with that right energy but it's also interesting because that doesn't necessarily happen in static forms training. You know, so we right. have this this, you know, giver and receiver in static forms training, but it's like what are what are they giving? Right, right. A lot of times. So, yeah. And in that in that case describing it as you put it, which is like, yeah, I want to do the ideal, which is whatever it is, and this guy's stopping me. That may I think that would make more sense for people uh, yeah to kind of understand how these forms are playing out. a lot of the way european honestly like studying european forms really helped me with a lot of things uh, organizationally because a lot of times european forms are shown where um the first person has a successful attack and then you show how that attack is stopped and the counter to that. And yeah. then how they would defend against that and counter that. And so because they're in that like one-off kind of way, it's easier to see what forms are doing. Yeah. The the master pupil thing, I think also like in all the things that I've seen, the way that it's presented is very much like, like, you're, like what you're saying, that each person is working on the material of the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, I think Uke and Nage, it feels much more like, One well, Nage's the practicer. He, they're practicing right. Aikido. And Uke, well, they're practicing Aikido in the sense that they're facilitating some Aikido. Right. But they're not doing the Aikido. And I think that's, like, a really, like, it's, like, um, the balance is off there. You that's know, with, really... like, the, the master pupil thing, it feels like, you know, maybe 60-40 or, you know, 55-45 right, right, right. or whatever, you know, where, like, the, the Ukenage thing, it feels like 80-20 or something. Right. And it's like, well, but the truth is, is, like, you're both, you're both doing Aikido and you're both working on Aikido together. It's interesting when, like, saying it like that because I do think that, like, you know, the, the Ukenage, it's like the Uke is working on Ukemi. That's it. Like, for most people, right? That's right. what you would say. Right. That's that's what you're getting out of Practicing it. You're, falling. You know, right. that, that is the thing that you're going to learn. Instead of, like, realizing, like, there's a lot in there. Oh, there's a ton. There's, like, how, you, how you're grabbing is uh, an important thing. Uh, tr the transition between the ways that you're grabbing. Um, how you, you know, how you're reacting to their unbalancing you. Like, all of those things are important in that they make your attack better like they make right they you know you are also learning and i think this is something that people wouldn't say but as the okay you should be learning to make an attack right now you have yeah, to right. be clear with that if you're throwing a yokum in that it's fairly clear if you're grabbing the wrist that's maybe not as clear right. as to what your attack is right. well that attack is going to be one hand, you know, uh, katate to morote, or 
whatever yeah. you know i mean a lot of the time what chris ends up bringing us back together like to, so he'll have us do something and then bring us all back together and be like okay let me clarify something and usually the clarification isn't for the nage or for you know the, the technique for the nage that we're working on it's usually some clarification on the ukemi right because it's there's a specific thing that needs to happen to facilitate it and so you'll often have to be like all right Okay, so this is what you this should is, be doing. This, this is, is how the attack you're, you're providing. Right. This is like your and and so you know that is what helps to create the relationship. Right. You're not the UK's not just taking it. That's right. That's right. And that's really interesting. It's interesting, and I haven't really I didn't, but I think it is, it is important for UK to remember that you are you. There is a thing that you are learning as well. Yeah. You know, you are learning. You're learning to attack, you know, and if you see like live stuff, the the the, the people that have done it longer uh, at our school are much better at being able to attack and to, you know, get that weapon, strip that weapon, whatever. Josh, than... you're just talking about yourself. <laughs> I mean, I have been there the longest. Yes. And you are a very good attacker. It's true. But you're, you're scary. Second longest. Roger's been there longer than you. That is true. That is true. But he's old now. No offense to Roger. <laughs> and not that he's that much older. But anyway. Um, but and and all and and to be fair, Roger is a hell of an attacker as well. Yeah, like yeah. he will yes. he will make it difficult. He will make for your you. life hard. And that is because understanding that role of of Uke and yes. what you're trying to do. So there it is. All right, good. 56 minutes, folks. Whoa, Jesus. Yep. yep. Well, let's go ahead. And... This is one of those that at like minute 22, I was like, Fuck. we're not getting through it. <laughs> Man, there is, what's happening here? That was me at minute eight or whatever. Ella shot my water. That was what I had to say. <laughs> if, I, if we just, if you just let it go for a while, we'll, we'll yeah. we, there's That's always why you to have say. to tan, you have to tangent because it always gets brought back. But if you don't have that tangent, then we'll just sit here quietly right, for... Right. Cricket, cricket, cricket. All right. Let's thank our patrons, without whom we would just Not be, be able to sitting, sitting at home right now. <laughs> thank you so much Netflix. to Logan Shadow Dragon Master Heinrichs, Adam Nicholson, Matt Whalen, The Dirt Wasp Podcast, Chris Comouth, Seagrams, and Seagal Saturdays. <laughs> it is fun to imagine what other content creators think when they see our names. <laughs> Look, when I saw that appear, I loved it because I've wondered this many times, right? <laughs> so, like, like Chris, the, the horse trainer Comouth is yeah. what he was last week, I yeah. believe. So like, look, I don't know if he if he uh, if he is on anyone else's podcast, but it's like people are like, wow, I guess that guy's a horse trader. He wants everybody to know it. Like, no, no ideas to why, <gasps> right? Because if that's the same would... everywhere. It's not right. just on ours. Their Patreon account is right. If it's they, just their Patreon. Yeah, account. If they patronize anyone else, <laughs> right. they have a weird right. name. Yeah, I didn't think about that at all. Nice. Okay, Brad V, Yero Madrona, El Terrible, Brooke Ferragamo, Ben, 110% Aikido ROI, and y'all are the extra 10% Aldridge. That was fucking awesome. Great. Tommy Siv, Francis Cordone, Scott Burns, Dave Dewberry, Sension Center, Barrett Lippy, Sam Sulian, Randy Stewart, Hillary Jones, Constantinos Andrew, Franz, sometimes I pay attention, Martinson, Yuli Simgu, Brian Crowley, Lisa Klein, Sharon Okada, Christopher Aceto, Matt Mumford, Matt Riley, Lenny Acuna, Grant Templin, and then Lenny Acuna. I think Grant Templin added Lenny Acuna in front of his name, (laughs) (laughs) which which really threw me. That is wonderful. That is, that is wonderful. Right. That is wonderful. Right. That actually, that was the same way. I was like, "What's happening? Did someone? What? That's the end of it." Oh man! Uh, also, I have to. The ROI reminded me of this. Uh, Jared Wilson sent me this. Uh, I should have posted. I should, maybe I will uh, on the on the Facebook page. But he sent me this um, diagram he drew out of like return on investment of this, return on investment of that. It was awesome. And he's like, "This is my kind of nerd stuff." And I, I like, love that. Oh yeah, man! That's I feel that. Awesome. I feel that. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm a little offended that you didn't tell us about that earlier because that's pretty cool. I, I bet you guys could have looked at it. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I, 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 I'm I the only not. one who looks at anything. That's not true. Here. Actually, no. You know what's funny is Josh is always all. I never look at it, and then anytime something juicy appears, Josh <laughs> like, "Hey, did you see that uh, comment from that guy? Wrote, wrote on there." I was so, like, "What the fuck, man? Yes. You're reading this? So I How do, come you don't respond right, to people? Passively, I, I am passively reading it. 
Josh likes to be a fly on the wall, I, except so for it comes up when in, he's not. It comes up in notifications, and I read it, and then I decide, like, is this this need for their investigation, or can I just let it go? And usually I'm like, uh, Chris can handle that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I do make a mental note. Oh, my God. All right. Um, tip of the tip week. Fall less. Of the, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Unless you're not good, then fall more. Then fall yeah, then more. fall more. Well. Yeah. How about Get fall over. the appropriate amount? Fall. Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. <laughs> Maya's got this look. She's like, how about that? Maya just kind of looked at her like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm done with your bullshit. <laughs> There's no bullshit. Oh. Um, no, that's a good one. I think that... We had Popeye's chicken before the uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, let's uh, let's get sponsored really, by Popeye's. We really like Popeye's oh, chicken. That um, would be great. So Popeye's, if you'd like to send us some uh, gift certificates for your wonderful right. establishment, we will be frequenting there again. Sure. Yeah, I'll talk about them yeah. every. Yeah, good chicken sandwich. They yeah. they do make a mean chicken sandwich. Uh, I think I mean arguably that. So Fresno, for people who don't know. Uh, we love our chicken, our chicken uh, here in Fresno for some reason. There's like a bazillion chicken restaurants yeah, here. Got a lot of chicken, and they keep opening up like yeah, what? Junior Chicken Man. There's just the bazillion uh, angry chicken. Yeah. Chicken King. Yep. Uh, chicken Shack. Uh, it's true. Whatever. I want to say Popeyes. It's a really it, good it's, sandwich, it's man. Right it's there with any of them. It's a good sandwich. Right there with any of them. All right. Yeah. Until next week.